Well, let's look at Matthew 28, verse 18. We are starting a new series today. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus said, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Mark 16, verse 15. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover." Go back to verse 15. Jesus said to his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And he said, Signs will follow those who believe. Let's look at Luke 24, verse 46. Luke 24, verse 46, it says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Notice verse, go back to verse 47. It says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So we can see in these verses, Jesus is commissioning his disciples. We call this the Great Commission. He's commissioning them for a certain work. The word commission... In the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, just some of the, um, the definitions, one is a formal written warrant granting the power to perform various acts or duties. So in this case, written, but here it's verbal. Granting the power to perform various acts or duties. It's an authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner or to perform 
prescribed acts. It can be authority to act for, in behalf of, or in place of another. It can be a task or manner entrusted to one as an agent for another. It could be the act of entrusting or giving authority. So you can see Jesus in commissioning the disciples, he is, he is making it or giving them the ability and the command to perform certain acts to, in this case, he says over and over, you're to go and preach the gospel to all the world. And it also, he also gave us the ability to act in behalf, to act for him or act on behalf of him and act in place of him. Jesus, look at Luke 19, 9. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came. It says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Talking about Zacchaeus. Don't have time to go into that story, but Zacchaeus was a wee little man. If you know, if you know the Bible, <laughs> he's a short guy. Anyway, Jesus came to his house, and he's a tax collector. Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came. To seek and to save that which is lost. Those who were lost. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why Jesus came. Jesus did not come for Himself. Jesus did not need to be saved. He is God. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came so that whoever believes on Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. So now we are acting in His stead, so we are to share that truth with the world. That is our commission, to be uh, His agents, His representatives. Now let's, let's look at Acts uh, 1-4. We read uh, in Luke... Jesus said, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait or tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. In Acts 1 verse 4, the disciples were waiting. It says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
But he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Sumeria and to the ends of the earth. Notice he said, you, you, he commissioned them, but then he said, wait. Wait for what? Wait that you would receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Notice, it says you're supposed to wait for the power, and then you'll be witnesses. So we have a commission to preach and teach the gospel, but it says that we were supposed to wait for something. Now, it's the day of Pentecost today. And, and so we're touching on this part of the commission, but we also, I mean, there's also a lot that, that we'll be saying here, but just to touch on this, it is vital that we have what God, what Jesus, who has got, said that we needed in order to be witnesses. In the NLT verse 8, Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. He told them to wait and to go from there. In the Amplified, it says, You will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be wit my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. So that is, we need to have the power of the Holy Spirit to do what He's called us to do. There is a harvest waiting Jesus told us to go and preach the gospel into all the world, but He told us to wait, and we were to be endued with power, and that's what we recognize today, is that we would, uh, we recognize the infilling of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit was poured out to do the job that He gave us to do. Can you put up Acts 2.4? When we put way at the end. We'll get into this. This isn't completely our focus today, but I wanted to mention it. It says, when they were all, this is on the day of Pentecost. This is what happened. When they, when they, uh, they were all filled, this is when they were all gathered together in the upper room, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. This is what happened on this day. Pentecost is just from the Greek word that means the 50th. So it's the 50th day after uh, when we celebrate Easter and when the resurrection of Christ, this happened. And they, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples and then they began to witness. They began to do what they were commissioned to do. Now, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you need to be. Because everything else we're saying and starting to go into, this is part of it. There's whole segments, of course, of the uh, Christian population that, that either reject this or don't believe it. But Jesus said, you wait for it, and then you go and do all these other things that we'll be getting in into and talking to about. 
But this is not like optional equipment. This is like standard equipment. And so like going out the door going, well, I know Jesus, so I'm ready to go witness. Without this, it's like going, you know, to a game, a soccer game without your cleats. Or like, you know, Andrew plays Ultimate Frisbee, and there was some new kids that had just started out that, that um, were, were playing, and they didn't have cleats, and it was slick. And you know what happens? They would be running, and they try to stop, and they're just skating. Well, you can get hurt that way. You know, some can slip out, your leg can slip out of the way, and, you know, you pull something or whatever. No, you need to have the right equipment. The Spirit of God was given to us to be witnesses so that we could fulfill the Great Commission. And so, here it says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They poured out, and then they went out and they preached. And they taught the Word. And 3,000 were saved. But they did it with boldness. They had boldness to go out and speak. They had power to go out and speak. They had power to do what God had called them to do. So this is not optional. It's standard equipment. We need it. We need it. We need it to do what God has called us to do. God is faithful. God is faithful to give the Holy Spirit as we ask it. Now look at 2 Peter 3 verse 8. 2 Peter 3 verse 8. We have been commissioned to do the work that God has set us to do, that God through uh, Jesus, why He sent Jesus, to save, to seek and save that which was lost, so that any that believed on Him should not uh, perish but have everlasting life. We're to carry that on. We are now agents of that commission. We need to be equipped, and then we need to go out and do. That is part of our job description. 2 Peter 3, verse 8. It says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is not slack concerning His promise. Look at it in the NLT. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You know, you can look around as a Christian, and a lot of Christians, I believe, are in this mode. They're like, get us out of here. Look at all the craziness that's going on. Forget this. Let's go home. But it's not about us. It's not about what we, what our comfort or about our, um, you know, feeling all nice and cozy 
and just walking a line that, that uh, you know, our little lives or our immediate lives are fine. Jesus gave us a job. He gave us a commission. And it says here, the Lord isn't really being slow about His, prob- His promise as some people think. He is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. There are people that need to come in, which is why he hasn't come back yet. Why we haven't left. When we get taken away, all hell will break loose on the earth. It is totally set up for that to happen. But but the Lord has given us a job to do. And we're to be about doing the job He told us to do. He already commissioned it. He already told us to do it. He gave us the ability to do it. And He's saying, so some people are going, Lord, what's going on? Why are you being so slow? What are we waiting for? The Bible tells us what we're waiting for. We're waiting so that everybody that's going to repent, repents, before he comes back, everybody that's going to, be, to believe, believes. And then we'll move on. Our, we do not need to be looking at just our situation and go, well, I don't, I'm uncomfortable or I don't want to deal with such and such. That has nothing to do with our commission. That has nothing to do with our job. 2 Peter 3, verse 14. It says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in Him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the the long-suffering of the Lord's salvation, or the Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom God or wisdom given to him, has written to you. Verse 15, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. In the NLT, verse 15 says, remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. That's what's going on. It gives them time to be saved. In the Amplified, it says, Consider the patience of our Lord, His delay in judging and avenging wrongs as salvation, that is allowing time for more to be saved. James 5, verse 7. It says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. We can say this. I don't, I'm not saying it's tomorrow, but it is at hand. We know it's closer than we ever have been. And it's tempting to look around and say, well, let's get on with it. But here it says... Go back to verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren and sistren. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, 
waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Everybody say, I'm patient. I'm as patient as the Lord needs me to be. It says, you also be patient, establish your hearts. There's a word, establish your hearts. We need to establish our hearts. Quit looking at the nonsense that's going on in different areas and let's focus on our job. Did I lose somebody there? It's so easy to look at all the noise that's going on. The noise, uh, and you can listen to non-Christians, you can listen to Christians. There's so much noise, but what is, our job did not change. Our commission hasn't changed. It says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. In the NLT, verses, uh, James 5, verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> it says, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Everybody take a deep breath. He said, be patient. As you wait for the Lord's return, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Notice it says they eagerly look for the valuable harvest. In the end of verse 7, they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. Well, the, the harvest is ripe. When we talk about people, the harvest is ripe now. It's not going to be, it is. Let's look at uh, Matthew 9, verse Just kind of laying some foundation down here as we're talking about some of these things. Matthew 9, verse 35 says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Can you put up the NLT of that verse, verse 36 there, and then we'll, we'll keep moving with the New King James. In the NLT it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Confused and helpless. Do you see that anywhere in the world right now? I don't know about you, but I see it increasing. Where you talk to people and they don't, they've lost trust. I mean, I've talked to people just within the last little bit. They say, I don't, I don't trust anything anymore. I see this happen, this happen, this happen. I don't know who to trust. And people are scared. They're unsettled. They're confused. They're helpless in the natural. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about. He said he looked at them and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The Bible says Jesus is the good shepherd, the great shepherd. He is the one that people need to turn to. And without Him, life doesn't mean anything.
Let's go back to uh, the New King James Version, verse 37 then. It says, Then when he had said, he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It says, The harvest truly is plentiful but the labors are few. Let's look at another verse, John 4, 27. John 4, 27. It said, at this point, his disciples came. He had, they had been away and Jesus, they came back and they saw Jesus talking to this woman. So they marveled that he was talking with the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. So th this is the woman at the well. He talked to her, told her, you know, her situation and ministered to her. And she went away and started telling people. So she said, Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Do you, do, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Let's go back to uh, verse 34. says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Notice that. He said, My food, what I am nourished on, is to do the will of Him who sent me, His Father, and to finish His work. Well, we are His agents and commissioned by Him to do Jesus' work which is the Father's work, and to finish what He started. That's what we're to do. And then He says, Do, do you not say, there, will, there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. He's saying, you say there's four months to harvest. That's a saying. He said, look up, the fields are already white for harvest. How much more now? The world is ready. It has been ready. There is always, these words were written about 2,000 years ago. It was true then, it's true now. No matter what it looks like in the world at any time, the Bible says the fields are ripe for harvest. The Bible says 
there, is always, there are always people that can come into the kingdom of God and throughout history, the, the job of the, the Christian, the commission of the Christian has not changed. And how much more now in the year 2021, when you look around, there is a harvest. And part of our job, our commission is to be about sharing what Jesus has done and being witnesses to what He's done to share the gospel with those around us. We've already been commissioned. It's not going to happen tomorrow or next week or when some other prophecy is fulfilled. We already have this. The light is green. We have the command, we have the authorization, we have the backing. In some cases, we're acting, we're just sitting at, at the light and acting as if it's not green. Now, I know there's not going to be many of you, but I'm going to use this illustration anyway. Anybody ever played Mario Kart? I got a few hands. Great video game, but you'll get it anyway. At the beginning of the game, when you're starting... You're waiting, in, you're waiting, you know, like think of a, a Grand Prix and all the, the cars are lined up. And in this case, you got all these funky cars. You got, you know, go-karts, you can have motorcycles, you can have all these things. And you're a character and you go around and you try to win the race. But you also got tools that you can throw at each other and do all kinds of things to take other, to take other people out of the race. But at the beginning, you're all there lined up, you know. Here's the, the finish line that you're going to come back eventually but you're in behind the the line and everybody's lined up and then you hear this bell it goes bump 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 and then it the last bell you go so it goes three two one go then the lights green and it you know the lights going red to yellow to green and then they wave the the, the flag and you're supposed to go well there's a trick so if you go three two one, then if you press your accelerator at that point, your wheels start spinning, and as soon as then uh, they hit go, you shoot off, if you time it right. If you don't, if you just push it right when it hits go, then you're like, you're behind everybody already. So if you don't know that trick, you know you missed half your life if you played that game. <laughs> you're always wondering why are they so far ahead. It, easy trick, but... But the fact is, it, it's, you're just waiting, waiting for, the, waiting for the go, waiting for it. Three, two, one. You got the gas going. It's going, go. You just go. Depending on how fast acceleration your particular vehicle has, you can shoot out in front of everybody. Somebody, sometimes we're acting like it's just yellow and we're sitting there going, when is it, you know, what's going on? No, it's green and we need to be anticipating, but we need to understand the green light was thousands of years ago. And when we came on the scene, when we were, anybody in here was born, the light was already green. And when you became, when you came to know Jesus... You just found out maybe about that there was a light <laughs> and that you're supposed to do something, but it did not. He did not. Some people, are, you know, we can wait and go, God, what do you want me to do? Well, we already know this is true. He already gave, 
He already gave the commission. He's already sent you. We, we already have the command. The light is not red. Stop. Do nothing. The, right is, the, the, red, the, the light is not yellow going, well, just, you know, just figure out what to do. I'm not talking about you follow God's plan for your life and what he specifically asked you to do, but that doesn't have anything to do with this. We already got the green light here. Already. We have the green light. We, we are not to stay silent. We are not to be only concerned about our situation. God has already given us the job. We're already commissioned. He is not condemning us. He's not condemning us about it. And he's not forcing us. But it is our job. It's part of what we're called to do. We've already been given the direction, the authority, the enablement to do what he's called us to do. And we are not to say, oh well. He will help us do what He has told us we can do. Satan and the world system are trying to silence the Christian and have been the whole time for hundreds of years. They have been doing it trying to make it seem uncool, foolish, or weird to be a Christian. Anybody notice that? Been going on for a long time. In popular culture, I remember when there were certain things coming out in the 90s, late 80s, 90s, you know, sitcoms, and uh, you know, stuff has just been rotting for so long, but just like ratcheted up not going to even dignify him by, by mentioning certain things, but things that were cartoons, things that were sitcoms, showing a family that is completely broken down and dysfunctional and bitter and anti-Christian, and all the Christians were always the stupid ones. They're the clueless, you know, anti-reality, stick their head in the stand, don't know anything, and oh, aren't they foolish. That was by design. Get it into culture. You have kids growing up watching this junk. Their friends talk about it. You have live sitcoms where the dad's a deadbeat and the mom, they say stuff to each other all the time, just you know, don't respect each other. The kids talk back to their parents. They go out. They party. They do all kinds of stuff. And if they ever run into a Christian on the show, oh, they're a moron. They're stupid. They're foolish. They don't get it. That was all indoctrination. That's all programming. That's all to make it seem like to all these people growing up and kids that being a Christian is stupid. That's a foolish thing to do. 
And the goal is to shut the Christian up. Get it so, well, I don't want to identify as a Christian because people already think I'm stupid. Why would you think that? Because you've seen this junk that is trying to put into culture that it's foolish to, to follow Jesus. It's foolish to be a Christian. It's foolish to have biblical values. It's foolish to stay away from things that will kill you called sin. That's all stupid. That's being a sissy. That's being weak. It's really cool to party and to treat your wife poorly and to go drink and to smoke and to do drugs and to have premarital sex. That's all what's really cool. But being a Christian, that's dumb. What kind of fool would believe in somebody that they can't see? That is all indoctrination and it comes from the pit of hell. And it has come to shut people up so you won't tell people about Jesus. I'll be the first to admit I grew up. Man, when I was growing up, I felt ashamed during certain times because it was so much, you know, you know, already going through junior high and high school and stuff. You're already unsettled about stuff. And there's just this pervasive mentality. You know, you want to be cool like everybody. You know, kids want to, to uh, fit in. And there's the, there was this push that you to, to try to distance yourself from anything Christian in the culture, that doesn't help. You're already trying to find your way as a, a, a kid, uh, and then you got it where, you know, all the culture is trying to tell you, well, you know, you don't want to stand up and be counted among a Christian because that's weird. So I know what that, I, you experienced that, that pressure, and it just accelerated throughout the years and the decades. And in the, light, in, the, in the world we live in right now, it's flipped to where it's becoming more and more where not only are you weird, you're full of hate if you're a Christian. That's, that's the propaganda. You are actually not in love. You are against humanity. And you're basically in some tunnel-visioned you know, belief system that is against uh, society as a whole. That is the the propaganda that's being pushed. Why? Other than de the devil, of course, hates God, but this particular type of belief is trying to silence people so they won't speak the truth and specifically won't share the way to be saved. Because I don't want to be a weird person and I don't want to be one of those evangelistic Christians because people, even in culture, if you're, not, if you're called Christian but you believe like all the world believes and you accept what the world accepts and you don't try to tell anybody about Jesus, the world accepts you because you're completely ineffective. It's Christian in name only. But if you share the gospel, and you stand on biblical beliefs, now you're labeled. Now, no, we don't do that. We can't, you can't push. See, there's this thing about you're trying to push your religion, quote unquote, on people. So what? Nobody wants to be that person, right? Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cool. I just fit in. That's what the enemy wants because you won't be doing your commission. Who are we pleasing? 
Jesus' job for us didn't change. We need to understand there is a war in the earth and it is a war to silence the truth. To silence us. To make everything that's godly seem abnormal and dysfunction to seem normal. That's where we are. It's weird if you actually believe the Bible and believe traditional values and now trying to be pushed that it's normal if your family is completely messed up, your belief system is completely... We don't condemn people, but we need to stand up for the truth. And right now, it's completely backwards. The purpose of this is to bring people away from God and to silence those who do know God. To silence you, to make you feel like you can't share and you can't do the job and the commission that God gave us to do. To make us feel intimidated. To make us feel ashamed. To keep you from fulfilling the Great Commission. Satan will tell you nobody wants to hear it anyway. That is a lie. People are hurting and people need to know the truth. And it's our job to share with them the truth. Not to shove it down somebody's throat, but in love, out of more concern with other people than concern with our fear or our... I'm not saying that in a way to own it. No, we're not talking about making a bad confession, but saying something that's pressing on us, fear or intrepidation or those things that are out here trying to push, we consider their lives more precious and push past any of that to do what God has called us to do. And He will give us boldness to do it. To do it. He will give us help. That's why being filled with the Holy Spirit, that's part of it. We need to be. Our vision... for Andover Christian Center is to have a place we don't we, we want to make sharing the gospel a priority but you don't want to do that at the expense of the preaching of the word the moving of the spirit and the power of God see people have, it, it, like everything else seem to go in one ditch or another I grew up around word of faith basically my whole life. And I'm not knocking anything, but one thing is that it's easy to get about it. It's easy just to get full of the Word and know the truth, but not share the gospel outside the four walls. Because this came in, you know, when the, 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 the Word and faith movement, you know, people were coming out of denominational churches and they were hungry for the truth. And they flocked into, there was a revival going on in, in many parts of the country, and people flocked into to churches just to hear the truth. But it's easy to, think, to, to just take in the Word and to, to, to hear the Word in our own lives, and we need to hear the Word. We can't, we can't put that aside. If, if you just get people saved, but they don't know the truth of the Word, they're not going to have the tools to overcome. 
But you cannot dumb down the gospel and the Word of God and start just preaching salvation and not preach the meat of the Word because then where are people going to go to get the Word? That's exactly why the, the Word of Faith movement and the teaching movement started is because people did not have the Word. They were anemic in their spiritual beliefs. And you had things like the full gospel men's, businessmen's uh, meetings and people were getting filled with the Spirit and they were coming out of denominational churches and they were looking for a place to get taught. So you had ministries like Brother Hagin's ministry blew up and people, other teaching ministries blew up. And we had a revival of teaching and people learning who they are in Christ Jesus and learning what, what has been bought and paid for them, you know, through the Lord Jesus Christ. But then it's easy to turn and start focusing inward and think, I got to get more of the Word, I got to get more of the Word. Well, thank God we can get the Word, but not focus outward and realize there, there is a, a world dying and going to hell all around us all the time ever since Jesus left, it's been the same now as much as ever. But there is also then a lot of people see that and some of the reaction is, well, we got to tamp down. We can't be preaching, you know, the Word of God in its fullest. We can't let the Spirit of God move in our services. We got to put that aside because we have to re reach pe people. Now, I'm not judging people's motives, but we don't have to compromise. We can have the fullness of the Spirit, the fullness of the Word of God, and reach people. Because where are people going to go if, all they, if, if, they all, if we start gearing completely to the lost and become so seeker-sensitive that we don't want to say anything that, that, unless that people off the street can automatically understand, then you're going to dumb down your message to basically a notch above what's in the world. I'm not saying there's not a place for certain people are called to, to, to reach and lost and to meet people where they are, but at the end of the day, we got to get people in a good, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled, power-of-God church to reach, into all we're, to, to reach the point where we're doing everything we're called to do. And I don't believe the early church compromised. They went in both guns, both barrels blazing. They didn't say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit, we got to leave that in the back room. Are you kidding me? And they had higher stakes. They could be killed. They're out in the middle of the religious leaders and they're just throwing down the gauntlet. And they said, what, we're going to listen to you or we're going to listen to God? People are more open than you believe and you've been led to believe. By the media, by our culture, it is, it is a lie. People, now, some people are going to eject Jesus. Okay, always been that way. But we don't have the license, and we don't, part of our job is to share, so we don't have the license to say, ah, that's just not my calling. No, it's every one of our commission. Everybody's called to do something else, but we have to go before Almighty God and say, Lord, what, how, how would you like me to, to, to be a part? How, how do I share? Who can I share with? And how, God can give you ways and, and, and uh, a pathway to, to reach people. You don't have to be like somebody else. It's not about selling things to people. It's not like getting people to accept something. Jesus doesn't force people. 
We don't for it, but see what the world has made it seem like is if you share it all, you're forcing. That's not true. If people need a, a savior, it is love to share it in a it, in a love motivated way. It, it is actually, you know, unconcerned to just walk by and say, "Well, that's just that's not what I do." Now God's not condemning. God is not beating us up. But but we can't just put it aside. We want to walk in everything God has called us to be and walk in. It is not our responsibility to get people saved. In other words, you don't save people. That's not what the Great Commission, those scriptures we read said, it didn't say go save people. It said you preach the gospel. And give the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the word of God, the ability to work in their lives. And now it's their, it's their job whether they're going to accept it or not. It's not our job to force it. It's just our job to share it. And this is one thing I think that has gotten people off and intimidated is there's this pressure to close the deal with people. Nobody wants that. You don't want it as some, you don't like somebody trying to sell you something hard. I mean, I don't know, maybe some people like a hard sell, but most people, you don't want them trying to push into your lives and trying to get you to do something. That can be very offensive. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to share in a, in a way God can lead us and guide us in a way that is full of love for the other per- person. Share the gospel and then we are being obedient to the Lord. We're being obedient to the Great Commission and now He has a chance to work and those people have a chance to, to uh, either accept or reject the gospel. Now they may not do it the first time you share. You may not be the person that leads them to the Lord. You may just be somebody that shares it, and then somebody else shares it, and somebody else shares it. I don't know what the current statistics are, but at one point, you know, it was said it takes like 7.6 times of somebody hearing the gospel before they accept it. You might be number two. If you think I got to be the one and I'm winning souls, number one, you're, 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 you're looking at it wrong. It's not you. And see, now it's like I'm doing something. No, we're just all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what can I do? What do I, maybe I'm just a tidbit that says something and that's all I need to do. Just don't make it a habit. Well, that's just, I'm number two. I just always do that. So I never have to be the one that's leading anybody. Don't make a doctrine out of it. But the Lord can use us, can use you, can use every person to be a witness. We just need to be led. We need to be guided by Him and not try to force somebody ever just be available to share. And the power of the Holy Spirit is somebody says, well, I'm just, I'm shy. I can't do it. That's why what we're talking about, or not talking about what we recognize today, Pentecost, is when the Spirit of God came to infill men and women women, to give them the power to be a witness. Peter, 
he was a fisherman. He was so scared uh, of what people were thinking of him before um, being filled with the Spirit, before Jesus went to the cross, that, that when Jesus was being taken you know, into custody, he, he was asked three times if he knew Jesus, and Peter denied him. He said, I don't know the man. But after Jesus went to the cross, rose from the dead, and after Peter was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he preached openly to people. Boldness. The same people were there that could kill him, that could take him away, that could hurt him, and he preached anyway. Look at uh, Acts 1, verse 8. We already looked at this, but look at it just so we can way back in the beginning. It says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice it says, when you will, you will receive power. You will receive power. God has given us what we need. As Christians, we have the ability to share the gospel, the good news, we have the ability, the enablement to do what He called us to do. His power is available to us, and we are, we, we are so thankful for the truth that we have as people that know the Word of God talking about we, our camp, our family, we don't despise. When I talk about family, I talk about like the Rhema family. You're, we're not better than other people. You're not worse than other Christians. But we ought to thank God for the truth that we know of God's Word, the authority of the believer, the, our identity in Christ, the fact that we can be healed, that we can be set free, that we can be delivered. You don't despise that. You thank God for that. And we don't put that aside in the name of reaching people. We go and use that truth to use it to reach people further. But we don't also focus on those things so much that we cut out the sharing of the gospel and the ability to be conduits for God's power in their lives. If we just talk about it, and learn more about it, but it doesn't have an outlet, we won't see the things that we have been talking about and that the Word preaches. Notice where the miracles happened. It happened when they were sharing the gospel. And you don't have to try to make things happen either. If we'll just be led by the Spirit of God and work with Him, we're doing what He ha wants us to do anyway. You don't have to make anything happen. But if we're intimidated and, and pull back and like, well, I'm so thankful for all this, but I just, just, I just can't share it with anybody, we are actually short-circuiting the very power we want to see. Okay. 
It's when you share it with people and bring, it, bring the gospel into people's lives that we give the Lord the ability and the conduit to do whatever He wants to do and what He's been wanting to do. Amen.